When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Okay there, Penn State fans. I'm Bob Flounders. I am joined by my man, Johnny McGonigal. Johnny, it struck me early, a little bit earlier that this is gonna be unless unless I miss I miss something. This is gonna be our last podcast of June. I mean, it's gonna be July by the weekend, but uh, and yeah, before you know it, look, we'll be in Indy for Big Ten Media Days uh, this time next month. But yeah, big month for Penn State on the recruiting trail, and uh, once June turns uh, and and really into July, you know, the prep for the season really starts to begin. 100% agree with you, Johnny. Uh, we're going to get to a couple different things on this Blue White Breakdown podcast. Johnny mentioned uh, the recruiting component, which is just gigantic. I also want to talk a little bit about how diverse this Penn State team can be. And it's because of the recruiting. It's because of the player development. It's because, it's because of who they've got coming back. And it's because how some of their younger players have really, really, even the first-year players this year, have really taken some huge physical strides. It's the way of the world, right? They, if, you're not, if, you're, if you're not close to being physically ready to play in year one of your college experience at a program like Penn State, days of like them having two or three years to kind of ripen a guy, it's just it's not happening anymore. But uh, as far as recruiting goes... You, I mean, I'm just going to throw it. I'm going to throw it your way, Johnny. But to me, I, I it just seemed like they had. There was a really good player, uh, receiver, I believe, that decommitted from Oregon. That Penn State, I think, always liked. If I'm, I think I have that right, and it did not take long for him to to switch course. But I don't know on on, on the, in the pecking order how big was that story compared to all the other stuff they've done in, in uh, this month. Yeah, it, it's pretty big. I mean, th- look, they Penn State entered June in pretty good shape. Uh, they had 14 commits. They were ranked firmly inside the top 10. They got their quarterback, uh, Ethan Gruckmeyer, in May, uh, towards the tail end of May. So that was good momentum going into June. But you know there was a glaring issue, and that was wide receiver. Um, and over the last week, uh, they've really they've really addressed that. Uh, so last Wednesday, uh, they got Tysir Denmark, uh, who's uh, from Roman Catholic, four star kid. Like you mentioned, Bob, uh, previously committed to Oregon. Uh, he's a, he's a wide out that Penn state had recruited hard for a while. Um, you know, even when Taylor Stubblefield was there, you know, Terry Smith is up the efforts in Philly, same with Deion Barnes, you know, when they were recruiting Jamail Lyons as well, you know, in the 2023 class, they were getting to know Tysir Denmark at that point. 
you know, so he commits to Oregon, but for them to be able to flip him and get him to be their kind of a foundational piece in the class as the, as the first wide out. Uh, and then only a couple days later, add a couple more uh, in Josiah Brown, who's the number one player in New York, a four-star kid. Uh, and Peter Gonzalez, who's a three-star from Central Catholic in Pittsburgh, one pairing him with a teammate and four-star linebacker Anthony Specka from Central Catholic. But Peter Gonzalez, you know, he, he dealt with an ACL injury, uh, camped well at Penn State, or earned an offer, and was you know Penn State was super excited you know about him. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a kid who ends up being a four-star by the time he ends up signing with Penn State uh, in December, assuming he doesn't get flipped. He's a Pitt legacy. His dad. Uh, played quarterback at uh, at Pitt, and oddly enough, Pitt didn't even make his his final three. It was um it was Penn State, Miami, and I believe Virginia Tech. You know, look on the on like looking at this from a, a broader lens, just from a bird's eye view, it's it's really big for Penn State to get three wideouts in this class already, and after only getting one in the twenty twenty three class in Carmelo Taylor, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up trying to get you know one or two more wideouts in this group and. Uh, they've got the space for it, and you know Marcus Hagens is proving he's got the recruiting chops uh, to help get it done. Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, Penn State likes, not loves, some of their young wideouts, but they got some wideouts that are going to probably be out the door real soon if they have good years. Keandre Lambert-Smith is in his fourth year. Dante Cephas, I think, is it might be in his fifth year. Yeah, he's he's got two years of eligibility. COVID, yeah. and I mean, I'm sure he's if he could get enough, if he could produce at Penn State anywhere near like he produced at Kent State, you know. But they they do need to kind of keep very very close watch. I think on the wide receiver position, they like to play three wide receiver sets if they can. And Johnny, that's a position where you know if you get a good one in, they can play almost right away. I mean, it's it's easy to transition. I think if you're a, if you're an elite wide receiver I think it does not usually take you long to get up to speed I'm just it's just funny like it just struck me that you know Penn State's doing really well in state they're doing really well when it comes to Central Catholic kids you just mentioned that Pitt was not even a consideration uh for uh, one of the latest verbals and I'm just wondering if all this is transpiring and not so secretly, James Franklin's got a big smile on his face because I don't think him and Coach Narduzzi were, or will, will ever be, you know, break bread uh, during the holidays. And I know that Pitt probably, uh, the way that they recruit, um, they've obviously developed some NFL players and they're, they've been very competitive, I think, in the ACC. But I just wonder how that's, how that's going over in the western part of the state. With Pitt's, I think Penn State's really, I think, ramped it up a little bit. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think Penn State has always kind of had a footprint there. And, uh, you know, adding uh, Bob Palco, uh, former uh, West Allegheny, you know, head coach, a, a Whippeal legend uh, to be, you know, recently uh, in the last few weeks to be Penn State's you know, high school um, recruiting director uh, or high school uh, relations uh, director um, only adds, you know, fuel to that fire. There were a lot of Pitt fans that didn't like that, that were that were upset, not, not upset with him, but upset with the fact that he's at Penn State. Um, but. You know, look, Pitt and Penn State are still are still battling for some guys. Nick Marsh is a four-star wide receiver from Michigan who um, you know, previously committed to Michigan State, but uh and is making his decision next week, I believe. Uh there's a lot of kids making their decision uh either on Friday, Saturday, or next week that Penn State's in on. Uh there's four or five of them. So don't be surprised if Penn State's class, you know, grows by a few members by the time you know we talk next week. Or, or the week after, but 
yeah, Pitt's in on uh, on uh, Nick Marsh as well as Penn State, and so we'll see how that one turns out. Penn State would love to get him; he's a four star, you know, ranked as high as I believe fifty second in the country overall. Uh, he's a consensus four star uh, prospect that Penn State could get him as the, as a fourth wide receiver in this class. Um, it'd be huge. And you mentioned you know recruiting Penn, you know, the state of Pennsylvania well. I mean, you look at Quentin Martin, Cooper Cousins. Um, you know the the Central Catholic kids, uh, Kenny Wosley from Imhotep. I know I'm missing one or two there. This is just off the top of my head. They've got a lot, and they could get and they could get more because you know Malachi uh, Williams, uh, defensive end from Monsignor Bonner here in Drexel Hill, uh, is strongly considering Penn State. Uh, you know they're still doing well in the Maryland area, and Jalen Harvey, a four-star defensive end uh, from Maryland, is one to watch as well that could commit in the next couple of weeks. So taking all the boxes. You know, recruiting Pennsylvania kids, uh, recruiting the region, you know, getting the top player in New York again in Josiah Brown is a good get. Even like we mentioned before, branching out to Wisconsin, getting down into Florida. So uh, it's been a very good class, very good uh, recruiting cycle so far uh, for James Franklin and his staff. And I say so far because uh, I expect them to add more guys uh, in, in the coming weeks, if not days. It's the blue-white breakdown, the final one that Johnny McGonigal and myself, Bob Flounders, are going to do in the month of June, a sign that the football season is arriving quicker than most really realize. I think it's great. As much as I enjoy the, the month of May, it's, it's you know, there's a little downtime, but there's not, you know, there's, there is some stuff going on, but you're still pretty far out from football season. You know, at this time last year, I'll be the first to admit, I was not very high on Penn State's 2022 team. They had come off, I think, a 7-6 and six season. They kind of folded their tents a little bit down the stretch, lost some tough games, were competitive, couldn't find a way to get it done. And I thought it was maybe not quite more the same, but close. I think I picked them to go 7-5. and five And it was just – and, I, I, you know, obviously I underestimated two – th- two things I underestimated was how good the true freshman class was of 2022. And also Manny Diaz's impact, I think really did wonders, I think, for Penn State's defense. I just think it's a different kind of scheme. Um, and he gets the athletes in the right positions and they're deep. And I just I just didn't see it coming. You're not gonna fool me twice, Johnny. Well you might fool me twice, but it's not gonna be it's not gonna be 2023. I, I am very, very high on on this Penn State team. I know you are as well. So let's talk a little bit about one of the reasons I am I was up at Penn State for Live for Life and I got it they had some players kind of go through their paces. They made some players available. And you cannot not be struck by how physically imposing this Penn State football team is at just about every position. But to see offensive linemen like Venga, I own, like walking around, there has not been – he. there has been no one like Venga at Penn State during my time. He is just a man-child. And I know they got re- I know they got returning guards coming back in Sal Wormley and Landon Tangwall, but I'm telling you, this guy gets on the field. I don't think he's coming off the field because he is a punishing player, especially in the run game. He's 360, looks fantastic, but their defensive tackles, their defensive ends, they all look good. The you know the defensive backs, the, you just you just name it. Drew Aller looks looks like he's definitely a changed person. But you look at this team, Johnny, and you think about how diverse they can be. And it, it's I think some teams are in trouble this year on Penn State's schedule that you know. I think I I don't know how many close games they're going to be in. I'm just going to say that. I know they got some tough games on their schedule, but if you can't match up with them, their depth is just going to wear you out. And you saw it happen, I think, more and more um, down the stretch last year. So 
to open up with, like, I have some questions for you, but the diversity this team has and the depth that this team has and kind of what it means and also the fact, Johnny, that not to get ahead of ourselves because they have a tough game in the third week at Illinois, I am dismissing West Virginia officially. The two games that are going to probably define their season, they don't get they don't get either one of those games like right out of the shoot. They're going to have some time really to to get it together, and they're they got they have to be motivated. James is in year ten. He's beaten Ohio State once. The Michigan record's been spotty, and we all know what happened last year. But just your thoughts on maybe this team this year with the schedule they have. Yeah, well, look, you mentioned the depth, and we'll start with that, and we can maybe get to the schedule a little after that, but. The depth that this team has and, and what's coming out of, you know, the interviews with coaches like, you know, last month when, you know, I was up in State College and talking to, you know, Jay Wan Sider and Phil Troutwine and, you know, Manny Diaz and, and some of these guys that are, are obviously very confident in what they have from the starter level players like an Abdul Carter, like a uh, Kalen King or Olu Fashanu and, and those guys. But you, you hear them talk about, you know, Javen Williams already being in the mix to be the fourth tackle to be, you know, and, and Phil Troutwine said it bluntly, like this is a season that if we get to where we want to go, AKA the playoff, we're going to be playing a lot of games. It's going to be a long season and we're going to need these guys fresh. And so you're going to see, uh, you know, Javen Williams play as a freshman. You're going to see if you're Manny Diaz, you're going to be putting in Tony Rojas um, and maybe Tamir Robinson as well uh, at linebacker. Um, you know, up front, you know, we, we've talked about Chop Robinson so much and Adisa Isaac and, you know, we still have Denai Dennis Sutton and even a mean Vanover gets overlooked. And so at every level you look at it and you know, it's just like whether it's freshmen or guys who played a good bit last year, I still remember after that Purdue game in the opener that James Franklin said, you know, in his press conference, like we are determined to develop depth this year. And uh, that helped them a lot last year. I think it's really going to help them this year because, you know, getting Zaki Wheatley uh, and Jalen Reed so much playing time last year, uh, getting Cam Miller in a bunch of games uh, because now with Storm Duck transferring out uh, and they bring in on Davian Collins, but he's he's kind of a, basically a freshman. He didn't play last year at uh, Mississippi State. Like Cam Miller's going to be playing a lot. So you can go down the line and look at position by position and see either – Freshmen that they added in the 2023 class who have already stepped in in spring ball performed well and look like you know in, in the two deeper at the very at the very least in the three deep players or younger players who played a good bit last year or have developed a lot since last year and so I just think that depth is going to be really difficult for some other teams in the Big Ten certainly teams in the non conference uh, to handle you mentioned West Virginia I, I mean I, I think I saw an early line for that Bob is already 20 points and. You know, look, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if the final score is like the difference is double that. Um, I just don't think West Virginia is all that good, and Penn State will be good. But that depth and then the, the diversity that you talked about, the way that Penn State can beat you, they can they can just send four and and trust that Chop and a decent and denial get home. They can bring pressure with Abdul uh, on offense. Nick Singleton, Katron Allen in the backfield. Uh, you you want to see steps and more development from that wide receiver room, but the tight end room is great. The offensive line is great. Uh, Drew Aller is, you know, potentially the dude. Like, he's going to be the guy in terms of, like, the starter, but is he going to be a dude? Um, we're going to find out. Yeah, I just think I just think a lot of arrows are pointing up for this team, and it starts with, with the depth and the, the diversity of which you're able to use those assets, use those players. This is the Blue White Breakdown.
Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Yeah, I think I knew that I was in trouble with my 7-5 and five pick. At Auburn, they played at Purdue. I thought Minnesota, uh, if they had any kind of quarterback, would be a tough game because of where it fit on the schedule. They had they had to go to Michigan, and I did not feel good about that game. Ohio State's Ohio State. That's those are five games right there. You know, Maryland. I, I you know I didn't think that, I thought they would win, but the point is, Johnny, I I think I knew uh, I was in trouble when early in the season, old Manny Diaz unleashed that Prowler package, which I think. I think it was four defensive linemen, one linebacker, and six defensive backs. Or it might have been a three-two. It was some concoction uh, that I had not seen a lot of. And not only was it effective, but they were so darn fast. And Jair Brown, instead of playing deep at center field, was now hovering near the line of scrimmage. And you could tell that there were some, there were some offenses that just had no idea how to deal with that. You couldn't, you, you didn't know where the pressure was coming from. You didn't know who was in blitzing. You didn't know who was in coverage. And that was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. He continually mixed and matched his defensive players. I thought so well, it didn't go their way in Ann Arbor. And it, I don't know. I don't know if it was, there was only so much, I think that personnel on that day against that team could have done on the road. Um, but I thought, the, I thought they played really well and it didn't get the result they wanted against Ohio State. That just kind of fell apart late. They were leading in the fourth quarter. But I knew when I saw that, I'm like, man, if he's going to be playing these guys, and these guys look this good right now, what are they going to look like, you know, by the end of the year? And I think as much as I liked that, I think he's got even more chess pieces this year. And I wanted to ask you about that because they do they do replace Jair Brown. They do, they do replace P.J. Mustafer. Um, and, and those are two very good players, but, you know, I just think that he can compensate in so many different ways and they're so deep at positions with players that maybe the public or the fans don't really realize, uh, they have yet that I don't know that we're going to be talking too much about those two personnel losses a couple of weeks into the season. Yeah. And, and also Joey Porter Jr. Too at, at corner. I mean, I, that like those three. They're in the league, right? Especially Joey Porter Jr. Uh, going at the top of the second round to the Steelers, a first round talent. Still surprised. I know it's more of a fit thing with him than anything in the league, and um, but still surprised he didn't go in the first round. And Jair Brown, uh, you know, the Niners traded up for him. And you know, when you asked Manny Diaz about him, because I remember asking him about him back in October, and then he was at you know asked about him again, uh, and I was doing a story on the safeties, and I, I asked Anthony Poindexter about this too, like. They, those guys love Jair Brown. They know they're going to miss him. They don't know if if one player is going to step up and be him or have the same, you know, leadership qualities and all that kind of stuff, right? But if you just look at this defense from a talent standpoint, it's pretty impressive that everyone, everyone, you know, whether it's around Penn State, us covering them, or even national people, you know, previewing the season, are talking about Penn State's defense as an elite unit. When they lost Joey Porter Jr., when they lost Jair Brown and P.J. Mustafer, I mean, the fact that they have all this talent coming back still. Uh, and Manny Diaz is a smart dude. Uh, he's going to be a head coach again someday, uh, maybe after this season if he wants to. And he's got a lot of pieces to play with. And when you've got at safety, 
I mentioned Jalen Reed playing a lot of ball last year, Wheatley playing a lot of ball. Uh, Keaton Ellis is a veteran back there. KJ Winston had a really good spring. And you've got four starter quality players at safety that you can rotate in. Uh, at corner, that there, there's depth with Johnny Dixon is an underrated player. Like he's going to be on an all Big Ten team, maybe second team all Big Ten this year. And I, I really think that. I really think he's a good player that gets overlooked. And like Curtis Jacobs, I know you wrote about him uh, this week or maybe it was late last week, but a lot of NFL types already view him as kind of the prototypical linebacker of what you want. And so him coming back and pairing with Abdul Carter. Yeah, I just think I just think this defense is a lot to work with. And the defense itself can win them a lot of games. Uh, and especially early in the season when if you want to, you can just let Drew Aller get his feet wet. You know, hand the ball off 50 times between Singleton and Katron. I mean, you look at the schedule, Bob. It's like you know, West Virginia, Delaware, Illinois without like Witherspoon and Chase Brown and those guys. Now they still have uh, they still have Newton up front, who was a game record. But you know, Iowa at home, Iowa typically can be you know can be a tricky game. But you know, at Northwestern, they're going to be awful. Uh, and then you have the bye week, and then UMass, and then at Ohio State. So you basically get two bye weeks before you play Ohio State. Um, and they should be six and zero at that point. And in a lot of times in that opening six games in the opening half of the regular season, I don't think you're going to need Drowler to to beat many of these teams. Uh, you're it, you can hand it off a bunch, let your defense go to work uh, and dominate, and then kind of unleash him on the back end of the season uh, and, and prep him for that. So it was I forget, it's one of the like the preview mags in, in State College. I, I did a prediction for already. I won't share that yet, but it's pretty good. Uh, so, you know, fingers crossed, like there's no like major injuries in training camp or anything that's going to change that because that's the only thing I think could that could derail what, you know, is 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 poised to be a really special season. Yeah. And uh, the more I think about it, Johnny, the more I think that Storm Duck made a smart business decision uh, hitting the ejection button uh, and getting out of State College at the end of spring. And the reason I say that is I'm pretty sure. He came to Penn State thinking he had a job one and he was a talented player and, you know, he's gonna, he was going to play a prominent role on, on a really good defense. And then, you know, the spring gets started and, you know, Joey Porter is gone. Jair Brown is gone, but he looks and sees Kalen King on one side. He sees Johnny Dixon on the other side. He, said, he sees a veteran slot corner in Daquan Hardy and slot corner is a, is a unique position. Not everyone can play it. He sees those guys back. He sees Cam Miller doing extra work on the field. He sees Elliott Washington, a January enrollee who was a high four-star who could play either safety or corner, working at corner. He sees all that, Johnny. Plus, Keaton Ellis began his career as a corner at Penn State. Zaki Wheatley spent his first season at corner at Penn State. So they have, they have hybrid players. That if if Manny Diaz wants to play six or seven defensive backs, he could he could mix and match so well. You you don't know who's going to be playing where. If there's a big slot receiver, uh, the other team has it doesn't necessarily mean he's got to use Daquan Hardy on him. He could put Wheatley on him. He could put somebody that can match up with him. And I think Storm looked around and said, "Yeah, man, I could play, but I don't know how much I'm going to play on this defense." And that was like one of the points I wanted to make about what Manny Diaz is working with, how diverse and versatile this defense is. You mentioned the linebackers. I don't know how much the middle linebackers are going to play 
on this team against certain teams they're going to play. But when you can when you can roll out a healthy Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter, and now Tony Rojas is now a chiseled 225, it could be a tough road even for the middle linebackers. And one final point, Johnny, I don't know, you might disagree with me, but you know, if they want to put a pass rushing package in up front, Abdul Carter could play stand-up defensive end if he if if need be at 250. And if you want to talk about some concerns about defensive tackle, Deny is now a hamburger away from 260. You can't tell me you put him at three technique against the slow fat guard. Um, good luck. Like good luck. So they have they have they have all the answers I think that they need on this defense. And I just think Manny knows he's sitting on if he was a poker player uh, I think he's got a really really good hand he's not afraid to bet big on it you you mentioned Abdul um potentially coming off the edge that's a situation where you maybe maybe you save that for the Ohio State game or maybe you like filter it in here and there against like or you wanted to see it to give him more to more to worry about exactly exactly you have that kind of flexibility you have that kind of talent uh, in Abdul Carter. I mean, he's one of the best players in college football after after one season. Best bet that, you know, Manny Diaz is going to use him. I think, too, you look on the, the flip side, of you, know, you look at the other side of the ball, and, you know, last year offensive line was a question mark. You know, it, it was. And it had been under James Franklin, and it's not like it's all his fault or anything, but just like during his tenure, uh, offensive line had been a question mark for a very long time and, and pretty frequently. It's not anymore. I mean, you look at, again, as long as these guys stay healthy, you've got a top five pick as you protecting the blind side of your first year starting quarterback uh, in Olufashanda. You've got on the right side a battle that's still going between uh, Drew Shelton and Caden Wallace, a battle that, you know, at this point will probably continue maybe even into the season, uh, into those first few games, and then you figure it out. But you've got a lot of veteran experience on the inside. Uh, Landon Tegmall was having a good year before his season-ending injury. He's gigantic, by the way. I, you don't really realize how big that guy is until you get close from trying to talk. He's a massive human being. He's huge. You've got him. You've got Sal Wormley. You've got you know, Norzad at center. You've got Nick Dawkins, who guys have been talking about at center. You mentioned Ione at, at guard as well. Um, and you know Alex Birchmeyer is going to be popping inside after uh, working uh, at tackle during spring ball. Uh, and Javon Williams at tackle, basically being Fashanu's understudy. So I think that that strength up front allows you to do so much as an offense. It allows you to lean on the running game if you really need to. Um, it allows you to to work play action a lot better. I, you know, there's just so much. It starts in the trenches a lot of times, and you know, we saw that on, on, on the worst way possible last year at the Michigan game, right? Like Michigan tore up Penn State in the trenches, and I know the linebacker fits had a lot to do with that too, but. I just think that that offensive line as an anchor along with the defense can just like baseline this team at 10 wins. Like really, if anything less than that is. I mean, I think you and I have the same prediction for this Penn State team without giving it away. I could already tell. I know who I know what you picked. I know what I picked for a magazine. I bet you we have the same pick, but we're not going to say what it is. We won't. We'll we'll save that for a later podcast. It's only June. Now, look, I I do. I do like that. We're talking about this, right? Because it's like, hey. July, July is right is coming around the corner here. Training camp's coming up, so love talking ball, but we don't want to give too much away. We can't do that. We don't. It's a, it's a tease, but you know we're both thinking the same thing. We both see the schedule for the way that it is, and we both have gotten really good looks at the at the gro- the physical growth and the development of this team 
in the offseason with the staff now in place, combined with how well they're recruiting. You don't really need to read too many tea leaves to see what the potential is. The other thing is, you cannot tell me, Johnny, you cannot tell me there is not a hungrier team in the Big Ten than Penn State, especially after what happened uh, last year. I, I really, I believe that. And, you know, I just saw today Michigan, Harbaugh's got Michigan going through Georgia periods, you know, Georgia periods and Ohio State periods. No mention of Penn State periods because you know why? They just dusted them really badly last year. But that is going to be an intangible that I think Penn State will carry over uh, as a positive when they when they host them, I think, in November. But, you know, Johnny, good talking with you. And I hope SPF 80 is treating you good this weekend. Appreciate it. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.